Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unitas Initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. It's the Capital Connection. So delighted. I'm David Gustina to be joined this week with New York State Assembly Member Patricia Pat Fahey, a Democrat who represents the 109th Assembly District, the city of Albany, towns of Bethlehem, Gilderland, and New Scotland. She is the chair of the Higher Education Committee in the State Assembly. And I can't thank you enough, Assembly Member Pat Fahey, for joining us on the Capital Connection this week. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, we'll start with higher education. That's your beat, so to speak, at least one of the committees and the one you chair in the State Assembly. And we've seen in the Capital Region the recent closure of the College of St. Rose. We've seen problems from other small private colleges. We saw what happened with Casanova College in New York, that closure. And it portends the question, what is the state of higher education today in New York? And what can the state do if it can do anything? In some cases, St. Rose is a private college, not a public institution. But what should we be looking out for when it comes to the viability, the success of our colleges in the state? I'm so proud to have been appointed to this position just since January. So I'm still new in some ways. Uh, It's still less than a year, but we must turn around the enrollment. So, uh, yes, we have seen a couple of private colleges uh, close, including right here in my neighborhood, uh, St. Rose. So I, I feel this very passionately, and I'm just as passionate about turning this situation around before we have other closures or cutbacks. We've also seen significant cutbacks at SUNY Potsdam and SUNY Fredonia. So we have it on the public and the private sector uh, with colleges. In in the end, the single biggest issue is to turn around the enrollments because we can't recruit a $100 billion business like Micron, even though it's Syracuse. It's very tied to our semiconductor industry and SUNY Poly right here, also in our backyard. So doubling down on educating our workforce. We know the standards and students in general slipped during COVID. Those students are now coming into college. So we need to invest now more than ever. And the best way that I can think of doing that is uh, what has been um, 50 years in the making, and that's the TAP program or tuition assistance program. I, I did a hearing on this now a month ago to get ready to try to draw attention that we've got to help lower income and middle income families make affordable. And 50 years ago, New York launched this. We were ahead of the nation then. We've fallen behind. Other states have stepped in with more significant programs to help middle and low income families. We've got to increase this TAP aid because we're seeing families just say it's not worth it. They don't want to see their students in debt. 
Yeah, and one of the great things about a state public university system is the affordability of that education. So you want to raise the TAP assistance. Are you talking numbers yet? Do you have a sense of what you want to do? Because obviously we've seen the Supreme Court and the issue of affirmative action. And, you know, one of the things that TAP does do is it helps those who can't afford a, a quality higher education. It allows them to attend the university and in some ways keep a diverse higher education. Absolutely. That's been part of the the beauty of the state system, right? SUNY and CUNY, by definition, were designed to be affordable. By the way, I am first-generation American. I'm first-generation college and high school, so I get the ability to make this affordable. I wouldn't be here without a community college where I grew up. So we've got to invest. We've got to make these affordable. Uh, right now, the TAP program, again, 50 years in the making, we have not increased the income threshold, which is $80,000. Uh, for for a couple of decades, as I understand it. And even then, if you make 80000 as a family, you're only awarded $500. We are not – TAP up until t 2011, so just over a dozen years ago, TAP followed the cost of tuition. In other words, if tuition was $5,000, your, your top TAP award could be $5,000. Tuition is now well over $7,000, and with, in, with the fees, it's over $8,000. Yet the TAP award – Top TAP award is still about 5600 So we've inched that up. We decoupled it from the state tuition costs. I want to recouple it. We've got to pay tuition. We've got to help graduate students. We've got to help more middle-income families. $80,000 does not have the buying power for any family. I don't care if it's one child or 10. It does not have the buying power it did 20 years ago. So we're overdue. Uh, yes, I have, a, I have a whole campaign we want to launch of about 10 different proposals for myself and, and numerous colleagues. Uh, talk to the Senate chair, Senator Stavisky, and really looking forward to going at this. And by the way, one of this, we don't want to lose ground. The Supreme Court may be going backwards with affirmative action. We don't want that to happen in New York. So the best way, again, to make sure we don't lose ground, as California did and Michigan did when they had when their affirmative action cases um, uh, went backwards, if you will, uh, we, by including TAP and increasing it and adding in more families, that's the single best way we can make sure we continue to have this very proud di diversity on our campuses. So it, it's a, it serves a a multi-pronged effort. It's going to help us continue to attract the microns of the world, uh, as well as like the healthcare, you know, and, and uh, we're about to do the Wadsworth Labs. We have a lot of needs for educated workers, and we need, but we need to make that education affordable, and uh, TAP will help us as well as keeping our campuses diverse, which has been such a, a proud part of the SUNY and CUNY campuses, as well as many of our independent colleges. So you're going to see us. We'll be doing a, a launching a whole campaign on this after the new year. We're speaking with Assemblymember Pat Fahey, a Democrat who chairs the Higher Education Committee in the New York State Assembly. Assemblymember Fahey, you mentioned the Wadsworth Labs. I can't not follow up. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> So the Wadsworth Labs, I think since I've been in office, I've been working on the Wadsworth Labs, and uh, we've, we've had a number of setbacks, but it is moving forward. Um, I will say I'm encouraged. Uh, they will be up at the um, 
uh, the Harriman campus. But as many know, I don't want to look at this in a in a small way. It's one. It's a one point seven billion dollar investment. That's even a that's a big number even by New York standards, right? So we have the investment. Um, uh, the the newish governor. Uh, is still committed to this, but I want to make sure it's tied into a part of a Harriman redesign. Uh, right now, it's easier to get to Clifton Park uh, on those ring roads around Harriman than it is to downtown Albany. Harriman is a part of Albany. We need to integrate it better. Uh, so we've, we've got some um, uh, some changes we still need there, uh, but we, we are going to see more on the lab. I just want to make sure we get a 21st century lab and design. We got it. We got to get out of the 1960s and Harriman campus with those ring roads and parking lots bigger than the buildings uh, is really still back in the 1960s. So so we have a um, we have more work to do there, but it is moving. Well, one of the things that is great about the university is that as a public institution, it can provide a more affordable higher education. But one of the things that mm-hmm. often can get in the way is the fact that it is tied to public money, that the legislature has to fund public higher education, that in a bad budget year, that could mean a shifting scene at the university. So there is this sort of thing where the potential for the politicizing of the university and for it to be on the seesaw road of good and bad budget years. Agreed. In the end, there's no getting around making those investments. And there are short-term investments, if you will, with a long-term payoff. Micron with $100 billion. It's the single largest private sector investment, at least in upstate, all of upstate New York, right? That will have ripple effects right across the throughway, especially here into Albany because of the semiconductor industry. Wadsworth will have ripple effects in the public health labs and ripple effects again. Ebola, COVID, all of it. It was a world renowned lab. You can't attract those kind of dollars and fund that kind of research if you don't have the educated workforce. So you're right. We need to get the politics or the worst of the politics out of it and not make our public and even private institutions dependent on good or bad budget years. We've got to make higher education affordable and accessible, which is why we've got to not put all of the tuition, all of the living expenses on the back of the student and their family. You know, the decoupling 12 years ago put us in the wrong direction of the TAP program, the tuition assistance program. So I want to recouple that. We've got to bring in some of the middle class, $80,000. Again, you've got three children, $80,000, especially if you're living in New York City, let alone many, many other high cost areas. That's not stretching very far, especially if we're only going to give you $500. It's not tuition. So We've got to help with tuition, but we have to make those critical infrastructure investments. If we didn't have SUNY Poly, we would not have had Global Foundries up near Wilton. And if we didn't have those, we wouldn't have gotten Micron in Syracuse. So we, I was just on the call this morning about what we're doing at the Thompson County Community College because of Micron. So we know we can't do economic development without having that educated workforce. And by the way, these are not just all four-year degrees. These are also some short-term training for workers to make them eligible. Plug Power right here in our backyard is supposed to grow to 1,600 workers in the next few years. That started just a few years ago. So there's tremendous potential, but even they need the semi-skilled and more highly skilled workers. 
We're speaking with Assemblymember Patricia Fahey, Democrat who represents the 109th Assembly District, and she is the chair of the Higher Education Committee in the State Assembly. Now we bring in the new thing, AI, artificial intelligence. I know SUNY is looking at this. We, of course, as an adjunct, and I'll disclose, I am an adjunct at SUNY Albany teaching broadcasting. I, of course, worry about students cheating, but there are these tools, these AI tools that so many of us, including journalism, has to catch up on very quickly and try to be out as close to out in front of as we can because we have a brave new world coming. Excellent, excellent point. I am following those trends, following the research on this as much as I possibly can. I did a bill a few months ago when we saw even famous actors having their image reused through artificial intelligence to promote dental work or whatever it was. Tom Hanks. So even big name people through what's called generative AI or generative artificial intelligence. I did a bill right after reading of a few egregious examples that would at least mandate there be a marking on any image or research used that would in obvious letters or in obvious watermarks, if you will, say that it was conducted or presented by a generative AI. Otherwise, we'll put journalists, we'll put authors, will put all sorts of people out of business. So AI has wonderful tools ahead of us, has wonderful tools for energy use, for healthcare and the delivery of healthcare. But there is, as you just said, a real downside that we have to be aware of. So there's going to be really good news coming via AI, but there's very sobering news and great opportunity, if we're not careful, for fraud and abuse including with images and likeness and papers. Even we're seeing articles. The Times Union had problems with their stories being generated elsewhere through this, again, generative AI and not crediting PU where they survive on paid subscriptions. So lots of room for great news on energy, solving some climate change issues, health care advances, the downside is this fraud and abuse. My bill, at minimum, at least forces the transparency to say you need that watermark. It's like a campaign ad. You must show now who is sending it. They used to be able to be sent blindly. Right. At least they need to show that this was with generative AI. You saw Congress just a few weeks ago, the Biden administration issued some new regs on this as well. You also just said this, technology is moving so rapidly, it's difficult for us to keep up to prevent some of this fraud and abuse. But I will say I'm, we've gotten a lot of traction and attention already just on the one bill I've done. I'm looking to do more, but I am pleased that now the administration and Congress is starting to look at this because just as we have spent years on intellectual property rights when there were abuses on that with China and other countries, We need to do the same now with AI, but it's much harder. It's harder to follow. It's harder to track. We're speaking with Assemblymember Patricia Fahey, Pat Fahey, a Democrat and the chair of the Higher Education Committee in the State Assembly. Well, I want to go to the albatross that hangs around our necks. I'm speaking of the human race and more specifically America, and that's racism, hate and anti-Semitism. What have we seen but that rise unbelievably exponentially since the Hamas-Israel war began? And we're not immune from it right here in your district where we saw a shotgun fired out in front of a Jewish temple. We've 
of course, seen what happened when college presidents were down in front of a hearing in Congress. That went very badly. They were accused of being evasive and dismissive when asked about calling the genocide of Jews a violation of university policies. So this is tied to higher education in that regard. But as a human being, as a citizen, what is happening with the hate that is out there right now? Well, let me just say on a very personal level, deeply, deeply disturbing. And we are going backwards, which is even more disturbing. I'm old enough where you always think things are moving on. We're getting better. We are better. But the last few years, there's been disturbing trends on anti-Semitism. We know at the height or the very beginning of the Trump administration, we saw a real rise in Islamophobia. Now we've seen more on anti-Semitism. But there's both We certainly have seen others with the LGBTQ community as well-versed in some of these hate acts and hate speech. But just in these last couple of months, it's been horrific. And Temple Israel, the most recent where we saw shots fired, that's not just my district. That's practically my backyard. I found myself quite shaky after that. spoke to the rabbi who was quite new to Albany as well as to Temple Israel. Absolutely unacceptable. You know, we put out all the time, hate has no place. Yes, I'm the new higher ed chair. I've had countless discussions with both chancellors as well as KQ, which is the head of the colleges and independent universities. First of all, I think all of them were looking forward to the winter break because they've all been walking on on eggshells, if you will, because so often protests will start out or marches or candlelight vigils will start out with the best of intentions, whether it's anti-war or peace in the world. And you just need a few who make things go awry or a few horrific slogans or a few horrific chants. We are trying to work with all of them. I just had a call on this, and I have another one with a few other members. I know SUNY and CUNY have repeatedly put out information to all their presidents about making sure they are Title VI, not tolerating hate speech or threats or threats of violence, any of that, yet still trying to respect and walk this very fine line of free speech. But no one should feel unsafe on our campuses. No one should have to go to class feeling any way threatened. And that's where we just cannot have any tolerance. I've had so many calls on this, including with the chair in the Senate, Senator Stavisky, This is difficult, and I was really sad to see what's happened on on some campuses and to see what happened there in Congress. And I really think Elise Stefanik is not, in my view, you know, there's many other issues I would have raised concerns with her about. And Elise Stefanik, where was she in these last few years in calling out hate speech by the Trump administration? So I appreciate that people are waking up now, but we need to be really consistent and not allow for any of this on any of our campuses. Well, and it's interesting in light of what we just learned in the news when you think about it for a second, and that is that Governor Kathy Hochul signed into law a measure to look at potential reparations for New Yorkers whose ancestors suffered under slavery in the state. And right away in the Senate, the Republican leader, Robert Ort, called the commission divisive and unworkable and says the reparations of slavery were paid with the blood and lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans who fought to end slavery during the Civil War. Well, those are very different views, aren't they? Very different views. And I think we're seeing people take advantage of a moment and we're seeing some real inconsistencies on hate speech, hate violence, hate acts that we have seen, again, against 
communities of color over the decades against the LGBT community. The rise, especially in the very beginning of the Trump administration, the extraordinary rise in Islamophobia. I had a young intern here who happened to wear the hijab and was terrified, was harassed a few times on the streets. So this is just the latest, but it's gone more backward than ever. And to see the dramatic escalation of anti-Semitism We've got to tackle it all and not just say it for one group and not for another, as, as you just mentioned with Senator Ort. The reparations is now a bigger issue, so I don't want to completely conflate those, but there's just no place for hate. And we can have civil discourse, civil discussions. Our campuses are supposed to be about expression, debate, and discourse. But no one should feel threatened or at risk of their own safety. And it just saddens me that we have gone backwards on this, especially recently with the anti-Semitism. I agree with you. I think there's so much ignorance in many ways, and that's what it is, pure ignorance. Before we came on, you and I were talking about issues in the news. And I commented that you're paying attention to the news, that you're constantly paying attention to what's happening so you're better prepared and understand the issues that confront your district. But when I talk to legislators, when I talk to people who work in state government and politics, you can tell they're not paying attention. They don't understand the issues or the information they're getting isn't from reliable sources. So doesn't that complicate the workings of the legislature and the ability to get things done and to have civil discussions when people don't pay attention and aren't prepared? And they're in their own bubble on social media. You know, and, and the algorithms, as you know, reinforce whatever bubble you're in, including if it's a hate and violence-prone yeah. social media post. As you know, I did the social media bill now almost two years ago. It is tied up in court by a legal arm of Truth Social, by the way. So it's the bill that I had now a year, well over a year and a half ago, that would monitor and force social media companies to respond to complaints. Right now, you can post anything with almost no repercussions. But that said, I also want to bring this some of this back to higher education. We talk a lot in higher ed about the dramatic growth of the STEM fields, right? And we spoke just earlier about the hard sciences, mm. engineering and public health and healthcare in general. What you don't hear us talk about anymore, and that's where a lot of people want to just provide the funding for the hard scientists. What's going on now with the anti-Semitism, with the explosiveness of this negativity on social media, it's reminded me that we need those history majors too. That's where we're seeing a real drop off the traditional liberal arts. And it occurred to me, even though I've been one who's talked so much about engineering, so much about STEM and growing our research dollars and investments in our research universities like you, Albany, but this has been a wake up call. And you're not, I'm going to be very careful from now on with saying just in growth fields, because we do need to give some attention to those history majors, those philosophy majors, the political science majors. You know, it's the old line of those who forget our history are condemned. Uh, the mistakes of our history are condemned yeah, to repeat I was them, about right? The anonymous yes. quote on and, the board and, and at high we school. Are forgetting it. If we do not learn from our yes, mistakes, I, we are doomed to repeat them. We are absolutely doomed and condemned to repeat them. And we are seeing the repetition of that. I think this is a wake-up call for people to deny our history is deeply disturbing. Well, 
Holocaust is one issue. How about recent history? Deniers of January 6th. That's less than two years ago, right? It'll be two years next month. So it's one thing that we have people who are not paying attention to their history. They're buying in that January 6th was a hoax, that January 6th was okay. And that the election was stolen. the election was stolen. That's why they went. So we must produce those who have a respect for free speech, those who have a respect for our Constitution, those who have a respect for other cultures, other religions. And as you know, we are going in the opposite direction. And I think that's what I find. I thought we would see peace in the Middle East. I'm deeply disturbed on both sides. I thought in my lifetime, I'm Generation Irish, as you know, in my lifetime, we have seen peace. It's not perfect, but we have seen peace with Northern Ireland and Ireland. There used to be a lot of parallels between that and Israel and the Palestinians. And to see that peace is further away than ever now in the Middle East is deeply disturbing. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have less discourse on our campuses. We need it now more than ever. We need those liberal arts majors, if you will, more than ever. We need people. We need those future diplomats. We need those future historians to really help us carve a a better world, Um, not just the scientists who will help us solve climate change and cancer and more. So we need them, but we need to make sure that those engineers are also well-rounded and not just schooled in all the hard sciences. Unfortunately, we are out of time. And despite our philosophical discussion, I think it's important that we have the philosophical underpinnings of our best thinkers so that we can create the legislation or solve the problems in the most equitable way. We unfortunately have to leave it there. Our guest has been Assemblymember Pat Fahey. She's chair of the Higher Education Committee in the New York State Assembly. What a great conversation. I can't thank you enough, and I can only hope you'll come back and we'll talk some more in the future. I'd welcome it, and we are out there to to try to walk this fine line and do what we can to expand and grow our campuses, grow higher education, and make sure we, we have that necessary civil discourse in debate as we have so many issues facing us. But again, students always have to feel safe before they can ever get to the next level of learning. So they're all absolute priorities. Pat Fahey, thank you. Thank you. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative.